Welcome to Five Star Weekly. We review the Fire and Union matches and preview the Revolution match over the weekend. Who's in contention to start? We get into all that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Star Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. So getting into the first match review, Atlanta United defeated the Chicago Fire 3-1 at the first match at the Benz in over 170 days. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it was kind of a pretty back and forth match uh, for the most part. Uh, but we definitely, I think, were just a little bit more clinical uh, with our chances because, uh, yeah, if you look at a little bit of, uh, you know, the shots that were taken, yeah, we had arguably a little bit more uh, and kind of better chances, but uh, Chicago Fire just really didn't put theirs away, even though we had some scares at the back, but, uh, yeah, you know, I think definitely it gets highlighted by the Ezekiel Barco Wonderstrike. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know it starts off a really good day in the first home opener, you know, or, or the home opener of 2021, rather. And, uh, yeah, Mark, uh, you know, what, what were your thoughts about uh, this match? Uh, obviously, you know, a fun one, uh, especially when we can put three goals to the good. Yeah, I think that's the, the the place to start for me, right? Because coming into this match, it definitely was a struggle for goals. Uh, so to you know, kind of felt like uh, scoring the three goals felt like almost a water moment, you know, to perhaps the beginning of something or maybe things are starting to click. Um, I mean, that first goal was just wondrous, you know, just absolutely gorgeous from Barco. And you know, you're gonna need those moments at the time. There's gonna be time when you need those. Uh, moments from uh from your best players you know from your most uh talented individuals and so uh you know barco just showed uh you know what he's capable of in, in that one strike um and let's talk about that let's let's talk about that wonder strike though man uh because it's it, it deserves some uh you know some some uh you know getting into romanticizing it a little bit you know what i mean because uh yeah you know it's first, it's a free kick, and he goes right into the wall, and that's uh, that can happen a lot. Uh, but uh, he is hungry. He goes after it. Uh, Sosa could have maybe taken a shot as well, but Barco really wanted it. And, uh, yeah, pretty much, you know, put his all into it. He fell after it as well. He apparently didn't even know that it went in. He just went by the, uh, the crowd reaction. But, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah. Hits the uh, the crossbar and goes in. I mean, it's just like, oof. yeah, definitely, definitely. That, a, uh... he... mm-hmm. I think the fact that he's falling away to his right as well. I mean, like he has to, you know, it's a run laterally to even get to the ball, and then just to put his foot through it, you know, while his momentum is taking him away from goal, it's just everything about it is beautiful. Um, you know, the keeper wasn't that far from that post. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's had no chance of of getting to that ball at all, and then like yeah, kissing it off the crossbar, just oh yes, the ball didn't even like loop very much either. You know, it's just like a rope right right to the to Absolutely. the other side of the crossbar. Was... Yeah, it was like almost a knuckleball even, and uh, I mean. Yeah, and it's one of those, uh, he goes and celebrates with Jose Martinez immediately and, uh, you know, the rest of the bench. It's uh, just a great moment. One of those that I think inspires the fan base for sure when, uh, you know, you have something like of that much quality uh, to, you know, start off the 2021 season at home. It's like, oh, yes. You know, it really gets the fans going, I feel like, uh, you know, that type of quality. And, um but yeah, you know, getting uh, on from that uh, after that 23rd minute goal, I mean, uh, there were uh, some other chances, and uh, yeah, the the second goal was a little strange. Uh, you know, it was uh, just a 
you know, a little bit of a deflection, and, uh, you know, Mulraney maybe was in the area, but, you know, it was definitely an own goal uh, by Chicago. And, um, you know, it's, I think, though, when you pump dangerous balls into the box, I think that's the, you know, that's the the, uh, the end point there, I think, is that you, uh, you know, if you put those type of balls in that ask questions, then... Sometimes the defender can't do anything but accidentally put it in. And, uh, you know, we'll take it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, especially, you know, since uh, we are lacking in uh, the kind of uh, clinical department, ask the other defenders to uh, to help you out. You know what I mean? But uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> right. But, yeah, definitely, though, uh, yeah, Chicago... Um, you know, they were, of course, able to score. And uh, that's where, you know, when Lennon does come off, you know, with that kind of face injury, we're immediately puffed up too. And uh, it was, yeah, definitely kind of a little little scary to uh, to see how quickly that, uh, that injury, like, really looked worse. And uh, the fact that yeah, he yeah. stayed on is also perplexing but uh yeah it is one of those like should do you think lennon uh should have got the uh the call in terms of uh you know the defender maybe got a yellow for that type of challenge when it's pretty much a body check and uh you know he gets sprawled out and uh no call really yeah i mean i think this is the thing we seen in the first two uh, MLS matches because uh, the ref for the Orlando match let a lot go and uh, I think Chicago ended up with one yellow card, maybe two uh, you know while their foul count was um, close to 20 if not over 20 I mean it's, that's not in my mind that's not good refereeing because you have the persistence right and then you just have the absolutely cynical um, and I do think you need to book like uh overly physical you know a, a little bit out of control challenges you know like i'm not i'm not i don't want a game riddled with yellow cards but there has to be a balance and i think that uh so far at least in the Atlanta united matches that i've seen um they're just letting a little too much go mm-hmm. um you know like early well we'll we'll get to the match in a second, but it early in that match was a yellow card you know what i mean like fill it up like but it's just this like this mystery like almost unwritten rule where in mls games they don't show yellow cards early and it's just like it 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 does a lot to dictate what kind of game uh what kind of game it's gonna be so and that's what's interesting you know Uh, yeah like i just uh, like to see them game managed a little bit differently about the refs going forward right like uh that's what's very interesting here though is we we had three yellow cards uh, they had <laughs> they had twenty five fouls and only Gaston and Jimenez got a yellow, uh, and that was the ninetieth minute. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, it's frustrating for sure. But uh, you know, we won't harp on refs and all that very much usually here. But it's it's uh, when the disparity is that large. We only had ten fouls, and I think you, you could argue like the the types of fouls uh, were nothing. You know kind of like what the foul was on Lennon for sure anyway and so you know you you kind of have to start scratching your head on you know okay yes the ref quality in any league is to be questioned all the time but uh this one especially just you know kind of gave you a little bit of a uh a real big head scratcher for sure but uh yeah and so you know, uh, getting on into later parts of the match, I mean, you know, I, I think we were just really, you know, not only creating a ton of chances, I think, uh, yeah, we were uh, really going for it. We weren't sitting back. I think that's uh, something you want to see from uh, Hainse and, uh, you know, what he's trying to do. Uh, we'll talk about maybe if that uh, failed him later in, you know, the second match review, but... Uh, yeah, this match, I mean, yeah, you know, just sitting on your laurels, I mean, yeah, we, uh, 2-1, you know, it's, it's too dangerous, I think, you know, you can't just, uh, you know, kind of sit and be content with what you got, uh, you have to go for your third, I think, uh, 
and especially the way we were controlling and the way we were able to create chances. And uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much when uh, you know Jurgen Dom and Jack Gurr came on, that right side became a lot more dangerous. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know it was a lot more evident when uh, yeah for that third goal. Ooh, I mean some very very tasty things happening there. Jack Gurr with a little uh, ball on the sidelines to Jurgen Dom, who uh, Jurgen Dom gets to the byline and uh, is able to. Uh, you know, beat his man and then finds Jake Mulraney, who, oh, talk about beating, being a man. Uh, he beats three men around him and uh, very yeah. messy like with his uh, his footwork. And uh, yeah, it was uh, even afterwards, uh, yeah, you could see like Anton walks asking Jake Mulraney, like, where did that come from, son? Where did that <laughs> come from? <laughs> but uh, yeah. Jake Mulraney gets the shot off, and then uh, Emerson Hyman, uh, yeah, on the rebound, which, uh, yeah, the keeper was able to parry, but, you know, Hyman poaches very well here uh, after, yeah, both of them kind of missing shots earlier in the match. Uh, Hyman is able to put it away for the decisive third goal, not decisive, but uh, for the icing on the cake. And uh, so, you know, it's definitely... Uh, you know, a fun match to really, I think, witness. I mean, you know, especially to start off at the Benz in the case where we, yeah, home opener-wise uh, has been good, but to start seasons-wise, it's uh, always been a little bit, you know, kind of uh, dicey for Atlanta United. But uh, the second match usually kind of does the trick. We kind of right the right the ship just slightly, but... Um, yeah, it's always that first match. It's like you know, it's not always clean. It's not always uh, it's not always a win. And uh, you know, thankfully we are able to keep with the, that tradition that we kind of have. But uh, yeah, getting into uh, <laughs> getting into some of those notes. Uh, yeah, this this was Heinemann's fourth goal uh, in league play for LA United. Uh, yeah, the team is four nil and nil. When uh, he scores a goal. And uh, Ezekiel Barco scored his 11th career MLS goal. Maybe he should, uh, yeah, he should probably have a little bit more in the, you know, hopefully this season that's when he uh, he does go off. But, uh, yeah, because it does seem a little low. Obviously, you know, he has been with the team for about f- almost four years now. Uh, or going on four years. So, you know, you want to you wanna see more coming from him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brooks Lennon, of course, came off uh, at halftime, and it was the uh, first use for us for the league's new concussion substitute rule. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Jack Gurr and Eric Lopez made their MLS debut. That's uh, really great to see. Eric Lopez, of course, uh, yeah, finally part of the squad, and then, yes, he got, you know, got involved. Great to see. And... Uh, Another positive, I think, is that uh, Miles Robinson, yeah, he, uh, not he, yeah, led the game with uh, four clearances, so, and or le- led the team with four clearances. Uh, but Ezekiel Barco, uh, is he your man of the match? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he uh, obviously scores that one goal. He, I think, was the game's most dangerous player, the most likely to. Uh, creates or score a goal you know i thought his energy was good his uh willingness to you know get on the ball and take on players mm-hmm. um yeah i think you know there's some other candidates there um a pretty decent game uh, and uh, you know so so as good as always but uh yeah i think both just man a match for this one for me yeah and uh he not only was, you know, putting in the work, uh, you know, on attack, but he also won two tackles and had five recoveries. So definitely, he was putting in the work on the defensive end as well. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's Barco for sure. Um, although, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, Mulraney could be, uh, you know, another good shout of someone that was uh, putting in some good work on this night as well. But uh, yeah, getting into the post-match quotes. Uh, Hainsey, he did, uh, you know, he lamented a little bit. Uh, he kind of want, wants to see a little bit more improvement on the defensive end. 
He said they could have scored on us many times, uh, but he knows it's part of the process. Uh, but Mulraney, uh, he said that last season the team would have crumbled after an equalizer like Chicago's. Uh, but uh, he has apparently credited Hainsey's passion and the manager's ability to help every single player improve with the change in mentality. And uh, Barco agreed. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, yeah to wrap this uh, this matchup, it's definitely yeah you know there's some stuff that we could Im could improve, and I think you you see this in the next match. But uh, yeah, to be able to. You know, get a couple goals in uh, the run of play. I think that's where uh, that gives us confidence. And uh, hopefully we can continue to build on it. It's just, uh, did we really build on it? Because let's get into the second match review. And uh, Philadelphia Union in the Champions League on Tuesday at the Benz as well. So, yeah, you know, some people maybe just... Uh, Maybe would have wanted to sleep at the bins over the weekend and uh, just spend the night, you know, at the uh, the stadium. But uh, you know, some people were maybe able to go to a couple matches, uh, you know. But uh, not us, unfortunately. But you know, it was fun being back at the bins finally after so many days and months. But uh, it is, uh, yeah, a little bittersweet because it is. Not the result that we really ever envisioned. I mean, 3-0, <laughs> 4 Philly, 3 away goals. And, uh, you know, that first half, we uh, you know, we look so, so good. Uh, and it's just a matter of, you know, not being able to put it in the back of the net. Andre Blake standing on his head, uh, as he does, but it is just he, man... Like, uh, <laughs> there were some really good saves, and then there were some, like, yeah, maybe some saves that uh, you expect uh, most keepers to make, but it's just, we we, we just could not, uh, you know, put it away, and when you don't do that in any league, in any competition, usually it comes back to roost, and, uh, you know, the saying usually is, when you're on top, you, you need to make it count, and, uh, yeah, we didn't. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Uh, you know, a lot of times, really, it's, uh, you know, the club that maybe is playing the other team off of the park. Uh, yeah, you know, the other team, though, if they are more clinical, they uh, are more efficient with their chances. You know, it, this happens to all the biggest clubs, uh, say, like Man City, Barcelona, I mean, it just, you know, is commonplace. And unfortunately, you get sucker punched. You know, uh, Philly get the get their first goal against the run of play for sure. You know, uh, set piece, some uh, shoddy defending uh, for sure, leaving Zerbilko pretty much by himself at the back post. Uh, yeah, Miles Robinson. Yeah, doesn't really pick up where Zerbilko is after that uh, that first header, essentially, uh, that comes from the corner, and it's uh, yeah, you see, yeah, I mean, Alan Franco is like hugging uh, Jose Martinez uh, while this uh, is happening too, and it's just like, yeah, you you have some players that are nearby him, but uh, you know, all at the end of the day. Uh, they don't pick up the right guy, and uh, yeah, leaving their striker pretty much uh, unmarked at the back post is ugh, just, I think, pretty egregious in any case. Would you think? Right. Yeah, I I think the uh, biggest issue for me is gone. <laughs> attacking team win that first header especially when it was clearly a routine it was clearly something they worked on i mean like um i forget which player it was i want to say number uh 23 or something like that but he uh he makes that bolt for the near post nobody really goes with him and it's uncontested nobody's guarding you know nobody is mark guarding that area usually you have somebody standing near post on a corner to prevent that specific ball right um they don't and so you know he's able to flick it on and as you said shabiko is open um it's just one of those things where you know it, it 
I, I understand like players have uh, you know have to pick up their marks or whatever, but it can get uh, messy in there. Sure. And so where you have a bunch of defenders and attackers just kind of standing around, and so uh, you know, especially in the case of something that they've worked on, uh, Shabilka was exactly where he needed to be. It's almost like he was expecting the ball to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think uh, just out uh, out executed. I think in that particular moment, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, you know what led to that, which was the the run of play to that point, mm-hmm. which, as you said, uh, Atlanta controlled, Atlanta dominated. I spoke to our friend Parcero Philly at halftime, and uh, basically their uh, their sentiment was that was also that Atlanta were controlling the game, and Philadelphia needed to get it together, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know, I think it was something that everybody could see, but. I mean, as a team, as a term that we hear a lot now, they suffered. Yeah, they suffered and survived and held on. And Andre Blake, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if any one of those saves were his best. You know, was the best save he's ever made. But he was always in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, he was basically faultless. He was. He was sharp. He was on it. And uh, I think his performance up until Philadelphia score was a was key. You know, he's he's almost if Shabelka doesn't score a brace, I think he's a, a contender for man of the match. You know, mm-hmm. so no, that's, um, that's definitely true. And uh, you see why Blake is uh, you know one of the contenders for or last year anyway for uh, goalkeeper of the year. You know, I mean he and he usually is. Yeah, he's just uh, he's rock solid for them, and he kept them in the match and. You know, when you have a keeper that can keep you in the match for lo- just long enough uh, for your team to be able to figure it out eventually. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, you know, getting into the lineups of what it looked like, too. I mean, we, uh, yeah, you know, didn't have our right back in Brooks Lennon. And so, you know, we kind of went with uh, the three men in the back, uh, three men in the back, rather, and Sosa in uh, the middle there. And... Uh, pretty much right back optional, and uh, you know it's pretty much at that point. Sometimes Franco Ibarra, sometimes Jurgen Dom. Uh, like you know, we pretty much didn't really have uh, a right wing back per se. It was just uh, you know guys filling in the area, and it you know theoretically could have uh, you know really I think worked uh, because yeah, it meant that we kind of loaded the middle at times. Uh, George Pello. Kind of, uh, you know, playing wherever he uh, found space, essentially, at times. And uh, so not really even left wing back. Because I think Marcelino Moreno was probably the widest on the left for a lot of uh, the first half. And so, you know, we really were stretching them a good bit. At times, yeah, we overloaded them uh, on each side with uh, two, three players. And, um, yeah, really, I think playing to the... Uh, antithesis of them playing with that diamond in the midfield and two strikers up top uh, where, yeah, the middle's going to be congested and, you know, there's space in behind though and I think we were it's just like we were able to find that the the, you know, the game plan seems to be effective it's just, you know Jose Martinez not quite uh, up to speed fully yet uh, to you know, yeah, match sharpness. sharpness. Uh, you have also Licha Lopez uh, missing for personal reasons, which we'll get into later on. I mean, uh, basically, you know, Jose Martinez had to play 90 minutes, and, uh, you know, even when Kubo Torres came on, you know, it's, uh, you know, we look slightly a little bit more dangerous with uh, kind of a strike partner for uh, Jose Martinez, but Jose Martinez still, unfortunately, not really. I think involved in the match a ton. Just uh, on a few occasions, he was able to uh, kind of be part of the buildup. And uh, essentially, when you only have about uh, yeah two strikes on goal, essentially, or two uh, two attempts, you know, in 90 minutes as a striker, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. It's real tough. And so you know, the onus is on everybody else. I think you know, is there an over reliance on Jose Martinez still? You know, in that sense where if he doesn't put them in, you know, sometimes uh, it's feast or famine. I mean, obviously we were able to put them in last match, but, you know, without Jose Martinez. But, uh, you know, you can't always do that. You know, you, there's sometimes, you know, you're, uh, 
you know, your other players aren't always expected to score. It's your your striker is the uh, the main main man to uh, to put in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you could be asking this question for a year now. You know what I mean? Like we've seen a lot of Atlanta without Joseph in the in the last year, right. and even this season, we I think we've pre everyone's accepted that uh, this is not the same Joseph, at least not yet. Um, so I think. You know, at least in this past year, you have to say that Atlanta hasn't really shown that they can score consistently without Joseph. Now, obviously, 2021, um, LA United used to be a better team overall. So, but they will have to answer that question. And it's also this, too. I mean, we haven't really had to go without Joseph since 2017. Now, 2017, I mean, he was, he was hurt quite a bit. Um, he still had a good, uh, you know gold per 90 return mm -hmm. yeah uh but they but the team i think at the same time the team did uh manage ways to score without him that team had like tito and yamil and miguel mm -hmm. um amaron of course um and others and so you know that team i think was able to make, make it work uh and i think 2021 atlanta united is gonna have to figure that out as well um at least you know not putting extra pressure on Joseph as he is working his way back because mm -hmm. I think this is um you know Joseph coming back to his best is going to be a mid to long termish type of uh process you know I think I don't expect to see the best of him until the end of the season put it that way you know mm -hmm. um so yeah and so uh it's, yeah uh, yeah I mean we're going to figure it out Definitely, for sure. But, uh, yeah, so getting into their other goals, uh, pretty much we're going for it. And uh, Philadelphia, yeah, they just turned that knife for sure. And uh, Casper Zerboko is very much, uh, yeah, involved in all of these goals. And, yeah, this second goal, ooh, it's, uh, there is, oh, man, a really... As bad as it looks, uh, miscommunication. I mean, there, I, I don't know. This is as bad as it gets. I feel like it can't get worse than than you know the effort here in which uh, basically Sosa and Dom, uh, yeah, there's no communication and uh, yeah, they're able to pretty much waltz right in and uh, you know it's this uh, yeah the Miles Robinson ball. I mean yeah, it's a little short. And uh, definitely, he's at fault here too. Uh, Sosa probably should have just, like he usually does, go after it, like uh, and yeah. uh, really try to, uh, you know, you know. Dom does stop a bit too. He yeah. kind of checks his, you know, he seems like he's gonna go after it, and then he stops and points and uh, right. And Philly just wanted it more, definitely in that that sense. And Alan Franco, where. The, you know, uh, I think the scouting on him is that, yes, he does tend to, uh, you know, kind of follow uh, either the ball or, you know, uh, the man sometimes uh, that has the ball. And definitely he gets caught out where he leaves uh, Zerbilko by himself. And I think he maybe should have uh, kind of tried to play that two-on-one uh, until he's in the box and then pass it off to Guzan, and maybe uh, it would be maybe a different scenario, but to leave him pretty much uh, Zerboko just by himself, I mean, that's, uh, it's an easy ball at that at that point. And, uh, you know, he, he never looked like the favorite to get to, uh, you know, get to him anyway, the, uh, the man with the ball. And so it's just, like, shoddy defending all around. Uh, and... T totally understandable yeah panic decisions and yes you know uh yeah what would you think of alan franco's uh, performance i mean obviously first match you know we're not gonna be too harsh or anything uh he's just being integrated but uh yeah i mean that mistake notwithstanding what what did you uh you know how'd you assess his play so for full disclosure we were uh, next to the supporter section, right? So in the first half, uh, Atlanta United were defending the goal in front of us. And and, um, and I thought, uh, from what I saw from Franco in that half, was good. You know, I thought the back, as I said last time on fan camps, I thought the back line in general were pretty good in that first half. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of communicating, you know, passing players off to one another, 
um, each you know each one of those center backs making key interventions when they needed to. Uh, uh, so in particular, you know, putting on fires and cleaning up messes and all that. Uh, so, but no, I thought Franco himself was good. Um, you know, it. He, I think he showed a little bit of, of passing range as well. Him and Miles, really. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second half, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, yeah, he doesn't on the, on the goals, he doesn't look great, uh, on the first and second ones in particular, yeah. um, to assess his overall performance in that half, uh, you know, I'm not really sure, but certainly on the goals, uh, there is a bit of fault with him. Um, and again, you know, I'll say I was surprised to see him start, uh, just in this moment. But um, in terms of the overall lineup, I didn't have a huge problem with it. At least I understood. I, I, I kind of felt like I understood why Ante made uh, the changes that he made yeah. and went with the shape that he did. So, Yeah, I, I don't agree that uh, it was the right lineup, actually. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I totally understand you know, your sentiment on it. But I think to uh, pretty much unsettle a couple uh, of the, the back line, that's... You know, kept three clean sheets uh, to start the season. I mean, it makes sense. I get it in this the way that maybe they had practiced this, and uh, you know, it was a feature that they were uh, kind of waiting to reveal for uh, you know a Philly or you know a team when they needed to uh, kind of adjust things. But uh, yeah, I mean, it looked good, like you said, in the first half, but. I think when you're fully going for it, you know, the spaces are in behind. And I think Philly knew where to take advantage. And you saw that a lot of that was the space that was vacated by not having a right back or right wing back there. And, uh, you know, by not uh, playing a Gurr or uh, a Hernandez. And I think it's also... By pretty much going for it, uh, trying to score a goal at home, you know, it's like 1-0, you know, it's not insurmountable. But, you know, two goals, three goals uh, to ship uh, away as, uh, you know, as away goals, that's just, mm, it's, ooh, uh, it's a mountain to climb. It's uh, probably hasn't been done. There, I don't think there's a stat out there that says if uh, that's been achieved in the Champions League, but uh, yeah, we really have it up against us, and I think, uh, you know, we could talk about that third goal, but I mean, it's pretty much similar in that, yeah, you know, you have uh, some very, very uh, questionable decisions made on a counter, and, you know, uh, it's essentially, we go for it. Yeah, no, I was just going to say the legs, I think, seem shot at that point, especially Robinson and Franco. Like, they're chasing hopelessly. They, they never looked like catching. I guess it was Shaboku who carried the ball most of the way. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those where, like, they were clearly pushing for the goal. And, like, at that point, yeah, you know, because now the other team has two away goals. You're down 2 nil, So you're thinking if at least you can make it a 2-1 deficit and give yourself a little bit of hope. Um, but instead it goes the other way. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, essentially two tap-ins for their goals. I mean, you know, in that sense, it's uh, usually not a good look when that does happen. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, just something that, you know, we we have to, uh, as fans, kind of learn how to maybe deal with again, you know, when we look so good and, uh, unfortunately, the team can sucker punch us that we're playing against. And especially in this knockout competition, it's uh, very bitter to swallow that. I think, uh, you know, if this was just in league play, you know, maybe it'd be a slightly different story in terms of the uh, level of saltiness. But uh, definitely, uh, it's uh, it's incredibly frustrating, I think, with this. But, uh, you know, it, it just seemed also a little predictable uh, in the second half. Uh you know, the chances that we were trying to, to fashion, it was really just uh, pumping in crosses into the box. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, when we don't have, yes, uh, a hulking, you know, target forward. I mean, Joseph does win headers, but 
is he at 100% to be able to outjump every single time uh, every player? It's, yeah, it clearly wasn't the case. And uh, even though he had four chances created in terms of Jurgen Dom, I mean, it's just, you know, kind of predictable, kind of, uh, you know, one of those things. Although, I mean, yeah, just throughout the match, you know, just we rue those chances. That Santiago Sosa uh, one would have been so sweet. You know, the one that hit that crossbar. God. It's... That came, that was like minutes after they scored, you know. And so yeah. I felt like uh, that was part of it too, you know. I, even down 1-0, I do feel like uh, LA United uh, kept the principle still pushed. Uh, um, and it, it, it was a reaction, you know. And so mm -hmm. I did like seeing that. It's just that that moment, if that moment came really for the, uh, that led to the second goal, really came at the worst possible time. Mm. You know, it's like if it was just like a league match, you know, we're up 3 0 and we just allow a dumb goal, it's like, ah, whatever, water on the bridge and you move on. It happens at the worst possible time, though. And, uh, and again, like, I think it's just for me, like, Philly does deserve some credit in the sense that they're clearly a quality team. Team. They're clearly a, a you know a bit of a veteran team. It's a team that's been together for a while. It's a team that's made the last made it to the last three postseasons. Uh, won the Sport of Shield last year, so mm -hmm. they're no slouch, you know. Yeah. And so they, they did, I think, what uh, experienced good teams do, which is uh, suffer when they needed to and took the chances when they when it, the opportunities presented themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and also, also shit house when they needed to, and that they did. Oh no, I mean, gosh. That uh, absolutely was frustrating for sure, but it also is like, yes, uh, you know, we couldn't see it obviously uh, in the stadium because they weren't showing it either, but there was some bloody, uh, you know, heads and all that, uh, even on Kubo Torres, who, uh, you know, on a header, he had a bloody head and had to be wrapped and whatnot. Um, yeah, he was immediately calling, uh, you know, to the bench for the uh, the medics to come. And uh, you know, this is the thing. It's like uh, you expect the team, you know, that you're playing against in Concacaf to shit house, but you know, going down uh, very easily for some of these other ones, and especially. Jose Martinez, uh, you know, their Martinez definitely was, you know, a culprit that's, I think the fans, uh, it kind of drew their ire, you know, for sure, uh, in the stadium because uh, the level of what he was up to really pissed off a bunch of people. But uh, what's good is that he's suspended for the next leg because of yellow card accumulation. So maybe at the very least, uh, that could help us if uh, you know we are to pull off a miracle. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's get into uh, the post-match quotes uh, and wrap this baby up. But uh, yeah, Jim Curtin, he called this 3-0 uh, win uh, over Atlanta, one of the biggest in Philadelphia's history. So, I mean, you see what it means to them for sure. Uh, Gabriel Hainsey, though, did uh, mention some things that were very interesting, uh, saying it was a joy to watch my team play, probably more so talking about the uh, first half. And uh, he thought that Franco played well in his debut, a few good things and a few mistakes that uh, you know they'll keep improving. But Hainsey, uh, he also mentioned that uh, you know he said he'd be worried if uh, the opportunities were not created, but uh, he says that this invites us to continue working much more and that the final results... Leads to concern, but his concern goes elsewhere. So uh, he's still saying positive. So uh, you know that's uh, that's good to see. He's not going to give up, but uh, I think you know the fans know that. Yeah, this one, uh, you know, you you have a you have a like I said, a mountain to climb. But uh, yeah, let's uh, move on from that and wrap all those match reviews up and get into the news. And into the news, uh, basically, uh, man, Barco, that Barco Lasso is up for the MLS goal of the week, uh, as it should. And uh, maybe by now it's already won it because, uh, you know, Twitter polls and all that type of stuff. Atlanta United fans are undefeated, as you know. But uh, <laughs> Barco also, he made the MLS team of the week. Uh, placed in a curious spot over there and, uh, you know, as like a defensive midfielder, but whatever. Uh, and Rocco Rios Novo, he made the best 11 for the Champions League round of 16. I mean, well-deserved because uh, Novo pretty much uh, 
single-handedly maybe uh, kept us in the match in the first uh, leg against Alavalense. But uh, moving on from that, Mateus is set to. He has uh, officially obtained his U.S. green card and he will no longer occupy an international spot and also will not be... Uh, yeah, he pretty much ends his loan on Atlanta United 2, uh, but uh, also still, you know, health protocols and all that. He still has to work his way back in after, you know, kind of that period of time. But uh, moving on from that, uh, Tony Annan... Uh, the academy director, he will leave the club and become the head coach of the University of South Carolina. And uh, that will be effective in mid-June. And uh, yeah, Atlanta United are conducting an active search to fill the respective roles of academy director and Atlanta United 2 head coach. So definitely he was pulling d double duty. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's still the Atlanta United 2 head coach uh, for the match days. And yeah, there was... Of course, the match over the weekend against Louisville City. And uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, it's the best team in USL uh, against, uh, you know, a team that really hadn't even, you know, played anything together. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a loss, but uh, it is what it is. Darwin Mateos, though, uh, one of the players that uh, was brought in, looked quite good, apparently. And, uh, you know, kind of that really tricky, pacey winger and... Um, a guy that was causing some problems, but uh, yeah, ultimately at the end of the day, they were shut out, but it is what it is. Uh, but yes, Annan, back to, you know, he not only produced 10 players who have signed professional contracts, but he's uh, yeah also produced uh, seven homegrowns for Atlanta United in that sense uh, by way of pretty much being some of the players' coach even since Georgia United. Uh, one of them being George Bello, you know, and all that. So uh, it is definitely, it's going to be uh, a big, big miss for sure to not have the likes of, uh, you know, this type of quality, you know, academy coach. But, uh, yeah, we wish the best to him at the Gamecocks. And, uh, you know, hopefully there are some kind of, uh, you know, maybe back and forth that uh, the players that, you uh, you know, we maybe graduate uh, from our academy. Maybe they play with him, and then we're able to bring him back as a homegrown or something. But, but anyway, uh, let's get into left back uh, Greg Garza, former uh, Five Stripe uh, and FC Cincy and Cholos player. He has announced his retirement at 29, and uh, yeah, he not uh, of course he won the MLS Cup. And, uh, you know, with us in 2018, but, you know, now he has uh, already been in the area already in Atlanta, uh, you know, pretty much it's at 29. It's it's so early in his career still, but uh, obviously injuries kind of did his career in. Uh, but, yeah, he is the director of player development for the youth club Georgia Alliance FC. Um, and it seems like, you know, that's going to be maybe that kind of route he's going to go in. Uh, he's got tons of experience, uh, you know, kind of being a soccer nomad, essentially. So, uh, you know, it's definitely good to, uh, you know, see him kind of return to Atlanta and be part of the community. But uh, best of luck in retirement, Greg Garza. But uh, also speaking of LA United 2, uh, the 2021 MLS Super Draft pick Aiden McFadden, uh, that Notre Dame midfielder, that uh, attacking midfielder uh, that we selected in the third round, uh, 59th overall, uh, he has been signed by Atlanta United 2. And uh, yeah, we kind of uh, speculated, where was he? Was he going to be signed uh, by Atlanta United? Yes, he will be. And so we'll see how much he takes part with Atlanta United 2 in the future. But let's... Uh, Wrap the news up and get into the match preview on the weekend. We will be playing the New England Revolution at Gillette Stadium on May 1st. It's a 7 p.m. Eastern game, although uh, LA United have it marked as 8 p.m. We shall see when the game actually starts. I guess just start tuning in at 7 and, uh, you know, wait for an hour and a half before the game actually starts. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Into the New England Revolution there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think tipped by many pundits 
to be uh, anywhere like as good as second to fourth in the Eastern Conference. And uh, last season, they, you know, as a dark horse heading into the playoffs, you know, got hot at the right time, got healthy. And uh, yeah, Bruce Arena, he showed his quality again and uh, his playoff ped pedigree. And uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, they're looking to kind of build on that success after having been out of the playoffs for a while. But, uh, you know, they're definitely, I think, uh, a similar team. But uh, yeah, are missing a few of their cogs. But before we get into that, they finished eighth place in the Eastern Conference last season. Uh, and they were eliminated by the eventual champions in the Columbus Crew. But, uh, yeah, key acquisitions in this offseason. Wilfred Koptum and then uh, Christian Mafla and Amnor Ing Ingvi Trostason. Uh But, uh, yeah, definitely guys in their midfield and attack that uh, will be very helpful for them going forward. And, uh, yeah, Mafla, their left-back signing from Atletico Nacional. But uh, key losses, definitely some of their, you know, I think stalwarts, part of uh, their previous squads for sure. And Diego Fagundes, uh, yeah, he departs after a decade with the Revs. And Christian Pania, yeah, he was declined in the offseason. But uh, yeah, they, uh, against us, yeah, haven't fared that well. And uh, which bodes well going into the weekend, and hopefully we can continue this. But uh, in seven matches, we have five wins and two draws, and we have not lost against the Revs, so hopefully we can keep that up. Uh, we last played them in 2019 in October. It was that farewell match for Michael Parkhurst, of course. And uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been a minute then, you know, since we've played them, and so it'll be kind of good to... Maybe uh, kind of rectify what happened on Tuesday with kind of our, uh, you know, our good old uh, kind of punching bag that uh, <laughs> hopefully they continue to be. But uh, yeah, of course, uh, you know, with us in our current form, uh, we have three wins in our last five with uh, the previous loss, of course, against uh, Philadelphia Union, as we just talked about. But New England to start their season, they uh, drew against the Fire 2-2, and they won against uh, DC United last weekend. And uh, so, you know, it's a kind of a decent start to their campaign. But you know, they're a type of team I think that uh, you know we'll have to kind of really be wary of uh, in the same respects like Philly. That, um, you know, maybe they're not going to possess it a ton, but they uh, fight hard. They, you know, if they're down, they will definitely look to come back pretty uh, simply. But they are a different type of team in that they probably attack more from the wings, less from uh, more of centrally like a union. But uh, they are kind of a play a little bit bigger too as well. So... You know, we're that type of team that uh, maybe can handle it a little bit better this year. But I think, uh, you know, it's that type of team that, you know, can sucker punch. And we've seen what can happen against the run of play. So, uh, you know, them being direct, them being, uh, you know, aggressive, it's going to be something that we need to look out for. But let's get into uh, some of the players to watch. Mark, take it away. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Carlos Gill, uh, he was not available for them a whole lot last year, but he's uh, one of their midfielders. Um, you know, he's a former newcomer of the year, so uh, he will be expected to uh, add a lot, I think, to the team this year, especially with uh, Fagunas having moved on. Uh, you have Gustavo Bu, who... Uh, he should a bit, I think, without uh, without Gil last season. So he comes in. He's one of the forwards who'll be looking to uh, have a better uh, than he did last season. I think Matt Turner, the goalkeeper, is definitely one of their stars. He's one of their most notable players. Um, you know, he's somebody who uh, many would consider the best keeper in the league. Uh, only the best uh, domestic keeper. You know, maybe somebody who get, uh, gets looked with the national team. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's gonna be. T you figure he'll be tough to get past. And uh, 
Teja Buchanan, uh, 2019 Super Draft selection for them. Uh, he had a strong run in uh, the Olympic qualifying, our old friend. Um, but yes, he got called up to the team. Uh, he played well. And uh, he'll be hopefully using that to uh, springboard into a good season for New England. So uh, a lot of young talent. Uh, they've added to this team, this team that made a deep run in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they'll be looking to build on that. You figure you know, they finish eighth years, you figure they'll be looking to get to the top four, a lot like Atlanta United will be. Definitely, definitely. And uh, for Atlanta United, of course, Ezekiel Barco, uh, kind of central to a lot of our attack so far. And uh, as always, I think, uh, you know, he's... He's that guy that, uh, as he goes, you know, we will go until you know, I think Joseph Martinez kind of gets his bearings. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, you know, our two uh, DPs there definitely can, uh, you know, bring home the goods in that sense. But getting to the uh, injuries uh, for both squads, uh, Luis Caicedo for New England is the only questionable player for them. Uh, but for Atlanta United, uh, Mo Adams is still out with a hernia uh, after surgery, and Alec Can is still out with a soldier uh, with a shoulder injury, and uh, questionable still. Uh, Hosetsu, uh, we don't know when he's fully able to uh, be back after those health protocols uh, from uh, pretty much quarantining uh, after pretty much getting his green card. But uh, Licha Lopez, he will be out uh, because unfortunately his. Uh, father passed away, and uh, yes, we send the best wishes to the Lopez family. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, loss is definitely uh, very, very hard. And, you know, he probably will get all the time he needs to be able to, uh, you know, get back. But uh, also Brooks Lennon, also questionable with that kind of black uh, cheek, black eye. I mean, uh, is he going to be available over the weekend? We don't know. We shall see. But uh, looking into uh, New England's starting 11 and what they've uh, kind of trotted out previously, uh, it looks like a 4-2-3-1 uh, with definitely a uh, very attacking uh, trio in midfields. And, uh, you know, they look quite dangerous a lot of times. And so, uh, yeah, you know, you see it on the screen. But for the podcaster or for the podcast listeners, we'll kind of quickly go through uh, how they line up. But Turner with uh, Mafla at left back, Kessler, Pharrell, and Bai uh, going from left to right. And then Captoom, Polster is the uh, defensive midfielders. And then Trastaston and Bo and Hill as the, uh, the midfielders in, in attack. And then Buxa up top as the forward. But, uh, yeah, you know, so pretty, I think, uh, generally probably a little simpler to maybe uh, plan for than, say, a Philadelphia Union. But, uh, you know, we will, uh, we will see on Saturday how uh, they set up. But for us, let's get into our predicted starting 11. So, uh, you know, what do you got? Yeah, uh, Guzan returns between the sticks. Uh, I have Ronald Hernandez coming in at right back. So I do think that we line up in a 4-3-3 for this game. Uh, I think it's going to be Hernandez, Robinson. I think Franco retains his spot. And I think Bello, of course, retains his spot. Um, that's uh, that's my backline keeper. Yeah, and I have the same uh, backline as well. I think, yeah, Hernandez needs to be given some time at least. Uh, and, you know, he... Uh, I don't know. I mean, Jack Gurr uh, look, has looked decent as well, uh, but I think, uh, you know, you bring in a Ronald Hernandez uh, that, you know, especially in lieu of um, possibly injured Lennon, I think you gotta do it. I think you gotta, you know, bet him into the team at some point, especially with uh, Franco, uh, you know, getting into the team as well. I think you're seeing that Hainsey. yeah, uh, he's not afraid sometimes to uh, put in a guy that, um, you know, he knows that will be important going forward. But uh, especially, I think, when you have, uh, you know, the team ship three goals, I mean, I think, yeah, you, you need to kind of maybe change things around and uh, start to see what works. But in the midfield, uh, for me, I've got uh, Sosa, of course, in the middle. And, yeah, I mean, we, we yeah, 
we can't play him every single match for 90 minutes. So uh, I think, you know, we're going to have to spell him with somebody soon. Uh, maybe Franco Ibarra, but uh, who has played that role a bit. But uh, Heinemann, I think, is the next midfielder for me. And Barco, I think we're going to be pretty attacking here. But uh, what about you? Yeah, I've got Sosa retaining his spot. Completely agree with that comment, by the way. But, but it's just like right, right now, he still has to start. But uh, yeah, at some point, you're going to have to give him some rest. But uh, I've got Ibarra uh, coming back in um, and Barco retaining sort of, uh, sort of eight spot. Yeah. And so getting into the. The attack, uh, it's going to be, I think for me, Mulraney, who, uh, yeah, you know, it's looking like it's a kind of rotational type of thing at the moment in terms of it's either Mulraney or Dom on the right, and it keeps them both fresh. So, you know, they both offer some different things, and I, either one of them can pretty much come on later in the match and uh, either get in behind or at least take on some players and have the other team backpedaling. So... Uh, yeah, Mulraney for me gets a start on the right. Moreno on the left. Uh, yeah, I think he's, you know, as that former DP, I think, you know, he just has to keep being bedded in until, you know, uh, something happens, I think, uh, you know. But so far, the returns have not been spectacular. Uh, you know, he has been part of uh, some of our uh, good play, but it's also, you know, you want to start seeing him get on the score sheet either in goals or assists. But uh, with Le Licha Lopez pretty much being out for personal reasons, uh, I think Joseph has to start here. Uh, you know, but I think, you know, instead of maybe a two-man up top uh, at times that we saw against the Union uh, with maybe a Kubo Torres uh, coming on, uh, you know, with that two-striker setup, I think he's maybe going to come on later or... Uh, you know, maybe another player, maybe Jackson Conway gets uh, a look or something, but, uh, or maybe Eric Lopez, but I think, uh, yeah, Joseph is going to have to start because we don't have any other, uh, yeah, like starting level in that sense, you know, kind of start strikers to, uh, you know, I think spell Joseph in this moment, but what about you? Yeah. Uh, I've got the same four line Moreno on the right, Joseph in the middle and Moreno on the left. Uh, I think... Yeah, you know, with what uh, Moraney showed versus uh, Chicago, I think he earns the benefit of the doubt of the start. Um, and Joseph pretty much has to start. Moreno, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I could also, I, I would like to see Eric Lopez in this game. Uh, you know, may, probably he's not fit enough to start, but uh, um, I would like to see him get like 20, 30 minutes, you know, especially if it's a you know, tight game kind of situation, see what he can do. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it would be curious to see uh, if and where Moreno can settle because mm -hmm. uh, he's definitely been used in a few different roles uh, under Hainsey and really in his time here overall. So right, and so yeah, hopefully we can get the best of Moreno. It's just yeah, not yet so far. But uh, getting into what we'd like to see the team do in this match. Yeah, we need to put some goals away after we get those chances. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag so far. And we we all talked about this and knew this going into the season. That uh, this is going to be the, uh, the thing that we need to be better at. But, uh, yeah, you know, that long ball uh, by New England Revolution is going to be something that that direct play we're going to have to uh, really be weary of and uh, make sure that, they can't get in behind us with those uh, maybe long balls at the top. But, uh, yeah, if we do ship a goal early, that uh, we need to keep our heads up. Uh, because, yes, uh, you know, generally, anyway, in MLS, playing away is not the easiest thing to do. And, uh, you know, results generally, especially when fans are in the stadium, even though, yes, for the most part, Gillette Stadium is fairly empty. But, uh, yeah, it's still difficult to win away on the road. But uh, So, hopefully we can. But uh, getting into the odds for this, according to Bet365, LA United have a 55.6% chance of winning with a draw at 26.3 and with a 25% for the Revolution. So, uh, with all that being said, let's get into our score prediction. What do you got, Mark? Uh, I think it's going to be a 1-1. I think there will be chances going both ways. I feel like uh, there will be a reaction from the team, and Ainsley specifically, to clean up defensively. You know, he mentioned uh, 
you know, he had that comment after the Chicago game and then, of course, what happened last night. So I think that he's really going to be looking for a more uh, steady performance from the line. Um, it may lead to a quieter game overall. But again, you know, I, I think both teams will test the goalkeeper. But I think it ends in a draw. Yeah. I think for me, I, I see a lot of goals in this. I'm not sure why. I think, uh, yeah, I think we're gonna ship some goals because we're still trying to figure out some things. But I think we're able to, you know, get some from the run of play, maybe from a set piece. Uh, I think uh, when you have Franco and Robinson, uh, guys that I think are, uh, you know, big targets in the box. Uh, hopefully, you know, we can start making these set pieces count as well, and uh, maybe. Uh, our routines are maybe improved, but uh, hopefully we can, you know, really jumpstart our attack again, and uh, you know maybe get a feel good kind of uh, feeling in terms of our attack going into the second leg against the Union. So that's our score predictions, and let us know what your score prediction is in the comment below. But uh, that pretty much does it for the show, except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, would you have started Alan Franco versus Philly? I mean, did it unsettle our back line that had kept a clean sheet for three matches to start the season? You know, it's uh, very interesting. It's, I think it's an argument that could be made either way. But let us know in the comments below. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. For Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Oh!